On today's episode of the Training Peaks Coachcast, your source for the latest information about the art, science, and business of coaching. If your coaching business was a game, what type would it be? Are you looking for short-term wins, or are you in it for the long haul? Hey guys, Dave Shell here, and on this episode of the Training Peaks Coachcast, I had the pleasure to sit down with Richard Thompson from T-Zero Multisport, based out of Sunshine Coast, Australia. We sat down after the Training Peaks University Melbourne and discussed some things such as finite versus infinite games, finding your why, and company culture. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Training Peaks Coachcast. I'm your host, Dave Shell, and this week I am coming to you from Melbourne, Australia, right off the back of TPU Melbourne. I am joined today by Richard Thompson, one of the co-founders and directors of T-Zero Multisport. Richard, thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me, Dave. So we had you speak at um, TPU here, and we had you talk a little bit about business because you are running, uh, you and your other coaches are running a very successful business here in Australia. I wanted to have you speak to these um, coaches and attendants about running a business. Before we get into that and um, talking to the listeners about business, can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you ended up in coaching because you weren't always a coach? No, that's right. I, I was a triathlete uh, first and foremost while I was um, studying law um, and accounting of all things at university. And I was doing, um, I think I started coaching on the side back in 20, 2010. Uh, I did that part-time for a couple of years and then or for a number of years. Um, as I think a lot of coaches do, they use it as a hobby or, or a sort of side business. And the critical year was 20, uh, 2015, where as a lawyer, um, I was at the Supreme Court in Queensland, um, and we had a, an incredibly uh, successful case be decided in favour of our client. Um, something that ordinarily would set your career up as a lawyer, and it, it's a topic that I won't bore you with, but um, it was a really important, um, I guess, crossroads. Uh, it would be a, a very important crossroads as a lawyer. And I remember the Monday when the, the judge was handing down the decision, I was far more interested in checking the uh, Ironman Melbourne results the Sunday before and making sure that my athletes were okay and they're doing well um, the day after the race rather than um, the result coming out of the out of the Supreme Court. So... It was obvious to me that my passion lied or laid with um, with coaching, and uh, at that point, a very close friend of mine, um, Scotty Farrell, he was in the, a very similar boat uh, with his um, career as a teacher, and we uh, he was doing the part time coaching thing as well, and we sort of sat down together and thought, what, you know, we sort of just cooked, looked at the books and thought, what would we what would we have to do to um, coach as a full-time occupation and so we we it ended up it was a scary prospect at the beginning to think that you could do this by yourself and for yourself but when you boil it down and work out your expenses and work out what your you know what you could what you could what service you could provide it it was seemed pretty achievable you know it's i can see and i don't know how it works here in australia but in the U.S., people would say that teachers don't make a ton of money, so I could definitely see 
transitioning from a teacher to a coach. Mm. But in the U.S., lawyers seem to make quite a bit more money than a teacher does, and so I would imagine that's a little bit more scary prospect when you're looking at transitioning to full-time coaching. Yeah, money for for me, I think is just is just one form of currency. Um, what, uh, whilst law certainly um, provided a, a great salary, there was all, there was cost to that as well, in in, in time and, and that away from the family, and it came around the same time as when we had our first child as well, and I thought. Um, there's not there's not enough money in the world to keep me away from my family for 70 hours a week so um that side of it was accepting that I'd be earning less initially for sure and that was no but that was no that wasn't very difficult to um to sell to the family to the family unit um but yeah we we saw that there, we thought there was a uh i, I guess a, a place in the market for T0 um, the values and the beliefs that we had as a coaching unit we thought we would do very well um, as a business strictly because of the service that we wanted to provide in the beginning you said you were coaching part-time Scotty was also coaching part-time and in 2015 you came you joined forces correct so how long did it take before you had a viable business um, that's a good question maybe maybe I think about nine months and over that time, we both uh, had the opportunity to drop down our our previous employment with as a lawyer, as a teacher. We were able to, I guess, go a bit part-time on both whilst the coaching business was growing. We were able to supplement that with other income mm. um, until such time that we were able to... I think my last, uh, my last day as a lawyer, as a part-time lawyer, was in the middle of 2016. Okay. And now fast forward to today, it's not just you and Scotty. You have other coaches that you work with as well. Yeah, we've got fortunate enough to have 12 coaches now. That's great. Um, and a wonderful stable of athletes. And it's um, it has its own challenges, you know, and, and Scotty does a wonderful job in, in looking after the coaches that, uh, in their right as, as coaches. And um, what's important for us is to ensure the service to the athlete is is always is not compromised, um, but and, and to ensure that we we foster an environment for the athletes, but also the coaches to ensure that they feel like you know they're part of the family, they're part of the fabric that is sort of T zero. Just going back to um, what you'd said a little bit ago, you had talked about the culture, mm. and in talking with you offline and talking to you at lunch today, it sounds like that is one of the core pieces of T zero. It's not just about performance it's it really it all starts with the culture and what would you say sets you apart from other coaches or coaching companies when it comes to culture yeah i think um when i started in the sport i've 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 had the opportunity the wonderful opportunity to be coached by some very high profile coaches as an athlete and i think looking at how they operated or the tools in their toolbox they were either wonderfully good at the coaching side the analytical side but they struggled with the human connection or the human communication piece whereas others are wonderfully are wonderfully gifted at communication and you had that bond but they were probably lacking in the scientific or at least the art of coaching in terms of that um, detail so we thought the, the the place in the market for us at T Zero was the, the wonderful combination of both. To have the the intellect and the science and the all the education you can, um, so that you as a coach can 
give your athlete the very best program and you supplement that as well with the the best communication and, and um, the best relationship you can have with your athlete. So it gives the... And we go by the, I guess, the adage of live your potential. It is that culture um, that... And I give this example that why should someone who wants to break 15 hours in an Ironman, that goal be any more or less important than someone who wants to qualify or win their age group or qualify for Hawaii? Um, everyone brings uh, their, diff- their own experiences um, and their own strengths and weaknesses to the table. People have, have got different time availability as well and, and other balls in the air. So we don't we look at everyone's goal as equally as important. There's no ego and we, we just want the very best for each athlete that we coach. Talking with you at lunch, we were talking a little bit about, um, I had asked you, what is it in your experience that would make somebody want to work for another coach or be an assistant coach in a group of coaches and something you said kind of caught me by surprise and that was that you had said that you really go out of your way just like you do with the athletes to treat those coaches with that same respect and with the same regard and so that they don't want to leave and they that it's it's almost better to be with you than to be without you yeah we've got a wonderful opportunity i think to give so much value to our coaches and make them help them um, be the best coaches that they can be if they wanted to um, start their own business they can there's no we don't have any qualms with that Um, so it's our job similar with the athletes they can leave tomorrow if they wanted to Um, but that keeps us on our toes and we always are thinking about ways in which we can continue to develop that environment and help and promote that learning and it's an incredible thing and something that people just don't see back of house at T0 that we've got a you know communication software whereby someone will ask a question a, a theoretical question about let's say FTP and then within six hours there's five different respectful opinions about their experience or what they believe what they've read or a journal article about this and it's just the the the, the extended learning that's happening and the environment that that's being created is amazing yeah i think that's a it's really interesting to hear you talk about that and that another thing that came up was you're not requiring your coach it's not the t-zero methodology that each coach coaches in their own way and it's really the unifying theme is how they treat the athletes at the end of the day correct and we don't want we would hate to have 12 people that coach the same way as i do because Who's to say that what I'm doing is right or, or otherwise? I'm doing the best I can, but um, we want those different experiences. And the connecting piece here is that whilst every different experience, every different coach brings their own experience, which the athlete, you know, a, a particular athlete may um, connect with. So they'll say, "Yeah, I like that coach over anyone else." But it's the shared learning of those experiences. I think between us, we have about 87. Ironman finishes. We have something like 25 world championship qualifications between the coaching group. And that's not to say that we're just great athletes. It just shows that we have that um, collective experience unlike any other so that we can put our hand up and say, and the the environment's there to say, I've got an athlete who is always running into shin problems whenever we do this. Does anyone else have an experience with that? And then everyone will jump in on that and it is a wonderful environment to be a part of. 
Yeah, I'm uh, I'm kind of jealous hearing about that because I, <laughs> I think about when I first started coaching, and it was a, at least for me, it was very isolated experience. And when I first started working at Training Peaks, I was so excited to finally have other people to talk to about training. And I, we were talking about it the other day, and it, it seems like the newer coaches in the beginning think they have the secrets, and so they're very tight with that, and they don't want to tell anybody else. And then the more experience you get, the more people are willing to share. But to be able to have that community that you can go without judgment and bounce questions off of people and get feedback is um, and that's all just for the that end of the day becomes the benefit of to the athlete right because you're tapping in not to just one coach but to a a bank of of 12 or exponential number of coaches and their experiences and that's experiences but then we also focus on can we have a continual practice development program a cpd program whereby we give the coaches guidelines and requirements to have external uh, learning throughout each year um, we bring them to a central location each year as well to help them with other areas of the, of coaching like linguistics and, and ways of better communicating with athletes um, it's and, and providing some sort of support to help them with that learning so it's not just the not just the shared experiences that we're, we're leaning on but it's the actual getting out there and learning uh, the latest and greatest of, of training methodologies as well. So what if a coach is is out there doing it on their own and they don't have access to somebody like this? Do you have any advice for them to, like, where are places they can seek out this knowledge? And um, Yeah, I think, um, I think I, I, it's an interesting point you, you made about how lonely it is, and I think it can be really lonely. And even um, it's something that we've always focused on is bringing the group together whether it's a monthly Skype chat where everyone can see each other um, but if you're doing it yourself I think the best thing would be to reach out to somebody who's a good who's an experienced coach um, and see if you can be the you know see if you can tag along or catch up with them once a month just for a chat about uh, you know almost like a mentorship I think there's a lot of coaches out there who would be uh, very happy to be a mentor and it wouldn't have to be a financial transaction if they're willing to impart that knowledge. Um, yeah, so I'd encourage them to 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 look, you know, look up a coach that they aspire to or they think that they respect or otherwise think is is doing a good thing for the industry and reach out to them and see if they can bounce some ideas off. And it'd be, I think, a lot of people would be surprised how open a lot of those coaches are. And so, when you were presenting today, when you're presenting at uh, Training Peaks University. One of the things you talked about that I had never heard before, but it kind of resonated with me, was the difference between a finite game and an infinite game. Can you speak a little to that? Yeah, so James Cass is the author, of, I think back in the 80s, and maybe Simon Sinek has jumped on it um, in more recent times. But um, I think the premise of it is to work, to, to understand the game or the business that you're playing. And I think a lot of people are... And especially in triathlon, but also in all businesses, they're very ego-driven and wanting to be the best or the top ten. They want to be in the top ten of something. Or there's always so many. I mean, we're in a data-driven environment in any event, but in as a business, you're always thinking, wanting to be the best or wanting to be have some sort of metric as to work out where you lie within the industry as a coach. But the definition of finite and infinite is that you know a finite game is known players uh fixed rules and the and the the goal is to win you have a winner and a loser so baseball cricket 
uh, AFL, which you're attending tonight. Um, the infinite game is uh, unknown players. The rules are there, but they change often. Um, and the objective is to perpetuate the game or to at least uh, not leave the game. You, you cease playing the game if you, um, you lose the will to keep playing or you lose the resources. And so things like, uh, as I gave the example today, as being a parent, you know, you, are, you can't be the best parent in the world. You can't be the top five mother or father. Or, you, you know, it's a, it's a forever game um, and the rules always change, the players always change, and, um, but it's, you know, the same with business. That's essentially the moral of the story. And it's just as ridiculous as it is to say that you're the best dad in the world or the best dad in the country is exactly the same as saying you're the best business or triathlon business, for example, in the country or your state. Um, you know, what metric are you using? Is it the, are you basing it on sales for this quarter? Are you basing it on athletes, number of athletes you have, but how successful are you as a coach? So I think if you can, if you can, focus on understanding as a coach in your business that you're playing an infinite game then your driver is being the best that you can possibly be the only competition then becomes you um and i think if you can accept that then a a fair weight comes off your shoulders and as a business owner and you understand that you're in it for for forever or for a very long time there's no rush there's no rush to growth um and if you if you just focus on your own backyard and focusing on what you're doing, then everything else will take care of itself. So I have to ask, how, how did you end up finding that book? Is that something you had read before, or did you happen upon hard times as you were trying to grow this business? And yeah, I think you... I, I think um, you listen to, I guess on podcasts, or you listen to business successful business people um not not in the sporting industry but just business in general um and you you pick up on what there's a common thread of of literature that they listen to or they they uh, prescribe to and i think it was um the ceo of at&t actually that um first referenced that when i thought oh i should get that and have a read yeah um but by accepting that you're playing an infinite game, that will then determine how you spend your resources. And whether you're chasing that uh, number one ranking, which means nothing, which in fact uh, isn't actually in existence because you're the one determining um, that ranking, or whether you're, conversely, whether you accept you're playing an infinite game and then you can put your resources to things that are much more you know, uh, help you um, play that infinite game and be the best version of a coach that you can be or the best business owner that you can be with, with, with disregard to what the competition's doing. You're just focusing on your own service. Um, earlier today, again, uh, at Training Peaks University, one of the things you talked about, and it's, it's probably something that's familiar to a lot of people now, but I, it's so simple yet it's so important is finding your why. Mm-hmm. And so would you just speak to that a little bit? Is it is that something that you found over time that like you weren't doing it for the right reasons or is it what motivated you to take this step and move on? Yeah, I think it's a question that a lot of people 
don't want to ask themselves, whether they're an athlete or, or particularly as a coach, you don't really understand why you want to do it. And if it's for, I think, external reasons, whether it be ego, whether it be monetary, I think you're you're playing a pretty short-term game. Um, whereas if you sit down to yourself and work out what you're actually wanting to achieve, what's, what's driving you, um, and it's a pretty... It's a wonderful industry, a wonderful profession to do because you're essentially you're being you're being given the ability to shape someone's athletic prowess, and they have dreams and goals and hopes, and you're in charge of that, and that's an incredible uh, honor and, and a wonderful position to be in. Um, but n- further than that, you're you're uh, you're helping them become better people um, through that journey. And so if that's what's, you know, so if you think, if you sit down with yourself and go, I want to help people change their lives or help assist them have better lives than the why or whatever your why is. But as long as you understand it and as long as you really can define what that is, then you can, then that'll get you up in the morning, you know, when times are tough or it's, it's a difficult period of, of business or otherwise, you know, you can lean back on that and go, no, I'm here for these reasons, not for anything else. And that will always center you and bring yourself back to, you know, bring your compass back to true north and you can keep going. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's very important. I agree with you too. And that sometimes it is uncomfortable to acknowledge why you're doing things. And I just, in my experience, it's uh, seen some, it's ended some athletic careers because, <laughs> when an athlete realizes that they're doing things for the wrong reasons for those extrinsic motivations and it's all of a sudden they have to take that hard look and so i I think it is such an important thing to find out why you're doing things yeah and that infinite and finite game is so attributable to athletes as well and the why piece because i think a lot of a lot of athletes you know uh, good age groupers or, or just weekend warriors they don't know where the finish line is for their career as triathletes so they will at some point go into their umpteenth Ironman and don't really understand what they're trying to achieve or why they're in why they're doing it in the first place. And I, I, I'm I, I'm really honest with the athletes. You sort of go, well, if you'd rather rock do rock climbing, then do that. Like life is so short to do anything that you don't want to do. And unless you're whatever your goal, it's okay to take a break from the sport. It's okay to not do the sport. Um, if it's not um, if it's not contributing to your overall you know your overall why but if you um, so it's important to keep going back to that as athlete as an athlete to go you know what am I doing this for and where is my finish line I, I'm sitting here smiling as you say that because I was just reminded of the one of the slides you had up today and it's the quote one life just one why aren't we running like we're on fire towards our wildest dreams so is that from you or is that who's that attributed um, to I don't know where I got that one from I don't think it's as, I don't think I'm that, <laughs> that intellectual <laughs> um, but totally I, you know in my I mean my background as an athlete was that I wasn't I wasn't athletic at all as an adolescent I was an overweight goalkeeper because it involved the least amount of running. <laughs> um, and I've been able to achieve, you know, some incredible feats as an athlete. But so that's shaped, I guess, T0 that, you know, we think that whatever your goal is, you can, you can achieve that just, and the same with business. You can, we can, you can make, you know, 
gone are the days that coaching is just a part-time pocket money you know side project it's it can be a full-time career now and we you know we really encourage that at t-zero and but for the athletes we we sit them down work out their why but also set some massive goals and say why not why why can't you you know why can't you achieve something that you absolutely right now believe that is not possible to achieve because the sport is an endurance sport it it's not a apart from the the swim it's not really a technical not a you know not a technical sport in that sense so i've seen athletes go from you know 14 hour ironman athletes to hawaii qualification really you know over over a couple of years it's it's not insurmountable so i'd encourage on the lines of that quote whatever you want to achieve you're you know set some massive goals and just be brave and go after them that's fantastic and i feel like that's an awesome place to end so before i let you go uh do you have any um recommended reading for uh the listeners either reading or podcast or youtube videos whatever it is is are there two or three things that you think would be really beneficial in building your coaching as coaches i mean i and this isn't a this isn't a uh a plug um (laughs) but joe friel's bible yeah is incredible um outside of that um I would encourage anyone or every coach to get their hands on um, or listen to uh, interviews with coach John Wooden. Mm-hmm. He's a uh, arguably, uh, uh, he's a very successful basketball coach in the United States in college. He's now passed away. But the, the, the philosophy of his coaching style, I think, needs to be in, employed or adopted far more in all coaching circles. So with our coaches, I always recommend them to uh, to listen to his interview, especially the one in, um, with Tony Robbins. It's a two-part interview. Oh, I um, bet that's fantastic. It is incredible. Um, and then um, other than that, yeah, I think... Um, Ryan Holiday's Obstacle is the Way is a wonderful read. Um, that's probably my most gifted book, um, as well as his second book after that was The Ego Ego is the Enemy. Yeah, that's about it in terms of getting the mindset around understanding that, what's, that anything is possible, but also understanding that I think the humbleness and having that empath- being empathetic enough to be a very, very good coach. Thanks again. Those are um, absolutely uh, great recommendations, and we'll be sure to put those in the show notes so that the listeners can find them. And thank you, more importantly, for making the trip from the Sunshine Coast to come and share your knowledge with the coaches today at Training Peaks University. Thank you, Dave. It was uh, an absolute pleasure for T-Zero to be here. Um, And uh, we started with Training Peaks in 2011, Um, so encroaching 10 years now. And, um, yeah, we, we... very privileged to be here we appreciate it hey guys dave here again i hope you enjoyed my chat with richard thompson as i mentioned we talked after training peaks university melbourne if you yourself are interested in attending a training peaks university to learn how to save time and be more efficient as a coach you can go to trainingpeaks.com forward slash trainingpeaks-university and see all our upcoming events. We'll also make sure to link to it in the show notes. Until next time.